everyone, and welcome to the first episode of Video Games. How do they make money? My name is Tyler Turner, most people call me Dave, and in this episode I'll be explaining the most common and basic form of monetization for video games, the flat fee or initial purchase. So the flat fee or initial purchase is just like going out and buying a thing of toothpaste or anything that you buy you get what you pay for, and that's it. There's no additional fees, you get the game, that's it. So with this method, developers are able to put their games out on platforms such as Steam or Epic or, you know, any of the console eShops, and there is a flat fee for their game, they receive a portion, the platform that's published on takes a portion, and this can vary depending on price, developer, platform, and deals that all intermingle with that. But overall, it is the simplest form of monetization, and it's been around since the beginning of home gaming. So, way back in the days of Atari and Nintendo Entertainment System, you went and you bought the game at a store, and that was it. There were no updates to the game that you had to pay for, there were no DLCs, which are downloadable content, and that was really it. And these days, with the ability to self-publish and, you know, have more independence without having to work through a publisher or even necessarily obtain publishing rights for different consoles, such as the Nintendo Switch, which can be quite costly to be able to put your game on, now developers can simply go to a place like Steam submit their, their game, and within a few days or weeks, the game is available for purchase to everyone. Typically speaking, Steam will take about 30%, and I'm using Steam as, as an example because it's the easiest to self-publish on, as well as being the you know, most common sort of premier online game retailer for the PC platform. This has nothing to do with console because those you have to work with Sony and Microsoft and Nintendo to be able to publish on those platforms. But for publishing on Steam, developers can set a price for their game, which can be anywhere from 99 cents to over $100, depending on the game, the production quality, you know, things like that. And then it's all about promotion of the game, which is a separate talk entirely. Promotion will not be covered in this podcast or this series. So that then leads us to how do developers choose a price tag for their game? 
how do they decide whether or not it will be a flat fee, if it will be a games as service, which is typically a free-to-play game, which has additional transactions as you go. How do they decide that? Well, there are a few things that go into that, such as production quality, development costs, and so, so, so much more that I don't have the time to get into in this kind of a podcast or this kind of a format. Um, But generally the way that they decide is first of all, production quality. Is it an independent game? Is it a AAA game? You know, how, how much went into this? What is the quality of the game? What is the feel of the game? As well as developer pedigree, for lack of example. How reliable are the developers? How consistent have they been in the past? Are they brand new to the scene? Have they put out dozens of games previously? Have they made massive hits before? These are the kinds of things that developers and producers have to look at to determine the cost of the final product. So taking Back for Blood, for example, which came out this last October, 2021, and was made by developers of the massive, massive hit Left 4 Dead and Left 4 Dead 2 which was developed by Valve and published by Valve on Steam, but a third game was never made, despite tons of fan outcry and, you know, the massive success of the series. So individual developers from that studio went and made their own studio and got together and made Back for Blood. And while this is not a traditional AAA game in the sense of a production studio behind it, for example, a well-known one like EA or Ubisoft or anything like that, it is made by developers with a very, very good success rate and an impressive career behind them. So because of this, Back for Blood had a $60 price tag at release, as well as, you know, deluxe editions with more stuff that didn't really impact gameplay, but added quote-unquote value to the game, and those were priced higher. But then there are games like Hollow Knight, which is an independently made game made at the time by relative nobodies in the industry. And that game runs at about $20 per copy on Steam. But now those developers, because of the success of Hollow Knight, have the luxury and the ability 
to release future games at potential higher prices. Now, there are pros and cons to this method because not everyone can afford a $60 game. Not everyone is going to see the value in a $5 game or a $20 game, even if it has an incredible story or really good content. People may dismiss it if it's priced too low, and they also may dismiss it if it's priced too high. And another problem with pricing your game too high, for example, the traditional standard $60, is that a lot of people will judge worth based on the length of the game rather than the quality of the game. So, for example, a lot of Call of Duty games these days will always have that $60 price tag but won't necessarily bring enough new things to the game to be considered worth it by consumers. So because of this, pricing can be a very touchy subject and difficult subject for developers. Additional pros and cons can include the pro of accessibility. Like I said before, not everyone can afford a $60 game. So by pricing a game at 20 or 30 or even $40 can increase your audience substantially. It can increase your revenue substantially because even though the initial fee is a lot lower, a lot more people will be able to access your game, buy your game, and be able to partake in it, which will then, if they like it, help with promotion and marketing and all of that, all on its own. The con to this, however, is if you price your game lower and it does not perform as well as you hoped, then that's less money coming back. That is less return for potential producer investment that can really damage the health and longevity of the studio. And a lot of people say, well, just don't put out bad games. However, that is subjective. But speaking of subjective, part of this show is me giving my personal opinions on you know, the monetization format, what works about it for me, what doesn't. And honestly, flat fee games are probably one of one of my most mixed feelings about monetization in games because on one hand, I know what I'm getting, or rather, I know what I'm getting into. If I pay $60 for a game, I know that's all I have to pay, that's all I'm going to be paying for it, and I don't have to worry about putting money aside for, you know, a new map pack, for example, like with Call of Duty, that every few months 
new content is released, but you have to pay for it. That said, I can't always afford a brand new $60 game, even if it's a brand new release and I'm really excited for it and you know I really want to be in on the hype of when it comes out I can't always do that because my budget doesn't always allow for it but that said a brand new $20 game can be a really nice rewarding thing because say it's been a hard month and I just want to treat myself a little bit. I can much, much easier justify a $20 game and, you know, getting hours and hours and hours of content and gameplay and enjoyment from that than paying $60 for a game that I might play for four hours. So overall, I think flat fees for games are a really, really good way to just get some initial revenue, like right out of the gate as a developer, but it's also always going to be a risk because there are always going to be people who need more reason to buy your game and need assurances that can't always be met or can't always be made. And overall, it is a fantastic method. It's been around since the beginning of home gaming, and it's going to be here to stay because it's just traditional. It's the classic, I give you money, you give me a good type transaction. And I think that's always going to have a place how prevalent it remains we'll see especially with some of the monetization formats that we'll talk about in the coming weeks such as dlc free-to-play games with microtransactions and so so much more but for this week that about wraps it up there really isn't that much to explain about flat rate monetization because it just is what it is you buy the game you have the game so until next week thank you all for joining me and i'll see you then